Welcome to church. Amen. It's good to be in God's house this morning. Uh, I want to say welcome to those who are here, some for maybe for the first time. Um, thank you for being with us. My name is Tyler. I'm the associate pastor for Youth and Families. Uh, pastor Matt and his family are away on vacation, so you get the call to the bullpen today. Um, and, uh, but, but I'm sitting there, right, and, and I'm, as our worship team is is leading us in worship, which I appreciate so much with our worship team. Um, the song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Aren't you thankful today that in our midst of our blindness, in the midst of our lostness, Jesus reached in and saved us. And I love that story in John, right, where Jesus heals the blind man. This, this is not in my notes. I'm just sitting here, man, I, such a sweet story. Jesus heals the blind man, but the religious leaders are upset about it, right? They're jealous about it. They don't know what has happened, so they question the man. They said, Who, who's healed you? And his answer, just like, oh, I love it so much. Listen, I, I don't know who this man was. I don't know much about him. I don't know uh, what, what you're looking for. All I know is that I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. Oh, man, how awesome is that? And, and for me and for you today, listen, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of doubts at times and there's a lot of things that we don't know about God's word and about Jesus and about why things happen. All I know is that I once was blind, but now I see. And that is the testimony that will change lives. Um, we're going to pray. We're going to get started. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are good. Father, thank you for taking this blind boy and, and, and giving me sight. Um, and when I was lost to my own devices and when I was lost to, to uh, my worldliness and I was lost in sin, you reached down and you saved me. I thank you for, for chasing me down, and I thank you for, for saving me, Father. Um, be with us this morning. I pray that your word will go forth. I pray that you will speak to us, and the truth of your word will penetrate our hearts and our minds today so that we will not be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, before we get into uh, our current series and God's word this morning, uh, I want to do a little missions moment and throw my uh, two cents in on invert that's coming up, right? This is my plug for invert for you sitting there. Uh, so invert is our local missions week. Uh, our students grades 6 to 12 go out into our communities. They serve in different areas of our, of our communities. They come together. They run sports camps for um, uh, different communities, and then we come together with other churches in the evenings to celebrate what God's doing, to worship him together. This year, we have 150-ish students involved in this from six different churches, um, which is really, really, really cool. But as we expand and as we grow, um, and as you have seen the impact in our students' lives, in our leaders' lives in the last couple years. You remember our testimony times the week after, which we'll do again this year. We have students that come up here and share testimony of what God did through Invert. I'm hoping that that has uh, uh, penetrated your heart a little bit, right? Because this year, as we expand, 
and as we want to do even more projects and even more missions opportunities and even more partnerships with local organizations that are serving people and loving people, we want to open it up to the adults in our congregation to come alongside us to partner with us and to be the hands and feet of Jesus around our communities in Cohoes, Mechanicville, and maybe even here around our church. And so the adult sign up. So the, the student sign-ups are done, right? And we have a large group of students that will be participating this year in Invert more than we've ever had. Uh, but the adult sign-ups are on. And so uh, we want you, if you are available Friday morning, right, that's August 9th, or Saturday morning, August 10th, from the hours of like 9 to noon, or maybe even a few hours longer, and you want to serve in any way and come alongside us, I'm not asking you to like, well, I am asking you to give up a few hours, but I'm asking you to partner with us as we, we know that this has been a life-changing experience for our students. We want you to be a part of it. If you can serve in any way, helping with food or helping with service projects, um, sanding, painting, whatever. We have all kinds of different little projects going on that Amy Hughes is helping coordinate We'd love to have you do that. Uh, Heather's going to remind us at the end of the service uh, and tell us how we can sign up for that. But I just wanted you to hear from my mouth that we want you to be a part of Invert this year. Got it? Good. Thanks for, thanks for that. Thanks for letting me do that. Um, I want to say a quick welcome to my family who is here from, uh, up from Virginia, spent the week with us, uh, and it has been a week, hasn't it? Uh, we've, we traveled to Boston was fun. Went to, the, to Lake George. Uh, had a week. Um, so we've, we've really enjoyed. And man, it was hot. It was hot this week. I don't know if you noticed. It was hot. Um, and, uh, but thank you guys for joining us today. And my two younger sisters, Maya and Gracie, we love having them here. And I want to say a huge welcome to Ariana Altabelli, who's back from her, back from her gap year. Um, mom and dad, she made it home safely, uh, so we knew that she would, and God used her in mighty ways uh, in England, and, and we're not going to call her up, she's tired, maybe a little jet lag today, uh, but over the next couple weeks, you're going to hear a little bit from Ariana and about her time in England and what God is doing through her, so she's going to jump right in tomorrow helping with VBS, so we appreciate that, uh, here to serve the Lord and partner with us. Um, I love that so much, so thank you, Ariana. Uh, as I was preparing for this message, you know, sometimes when I open up God's Word to study it, it's, uh, it's comfortable, right, if I'm honest, it's kind of, it's, it's easy, it's, um, uh, it's something that I, like, I know will, will, will generate some, some good feelings and some, you know, I th- this time um, was a little bit different for me, right? And um, I, I was thinking about this recently, well, fairly recently, um, my family dropped me off here at the church. And when they dropped me off, Sunder, like, he wants daddy sugars, right? Isn't that sweet? Daddy sugars. I love giving my boy daddy sugars. That's fine. So he was buckled into his, uh, his car seat, and the window rolled down. You know, it kind of stops that child lock window. And he wanted daddy sugars before I left. That's, that's so sweet. 
And so I, I did one of these things to get into the window. You know, my neck is, my neck is there. My head's kind of big, so, um, so I did one of these. I'm in, I'm in. He didn't come as far as he needed to, but I was in, and, uh, and I puckered up for a little sugar, like that. That's, that's how you pucker, I don't know. Um, and, and I hear this from him. And I'm like, oh no. And I realize this kid's about to sneeze. He's looking right at me, he's super close to me. I do one of these to pull my head back out and get caught. I couldn't, I couldn't get out quick enough. He sneezed in my mouth. Right in my face. <laughs> and I say that because sometimes I feel like I go to God's word and it's like a sweet, uh, easy smooch. And sometimes God's word hits you like a sneeze. <laughs> and, and this weekend... Um, th- this passage has convicted my heart. And I think it's okay to be a little vulnerable with you today and, and let you know that this is, uh, I feel like I've struggled in this area. Uh, and God is using this as I prepare and as I teach to work in my heart as I pray that it does in your heart as well. Uh, we are in the series, Nope, Not in the Bible. It's been a great series, I thought, I think. Um, this morning, we're going over like a verse that's probably one of the most popular verses in all of the, the world, in all of Christianity and non-Christianity. Um, and even though, yes, the phrase it comes from the Bible, uh, I believe that most of the time when this verse is used or this phrase is used, it's used out of context, And what I mean by that is we are trying to make the Bible say what we want it to say and not what the author or God intended it to say. And church, let's let's be a church body, a family that discerns God's word, that studies it, that is faithful with it. And let's learn... Uh, the difference between uh, a motivational saying and something that's gospel truth. That's kind of my goal for this morning. Um, And that saying is this, like, I can do all things, Philippians 4.13. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians 4. Do we hear that often? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And most of the time when we hear those words, It comes from well-intentioned, loving individuals who wants you to succeed in whatever you're about to do. Isn't that right? Like when we hear that said, it's you are on the verge of trying to accomplish something and, uh, and you can do it. Entering a championship game, I can do all things through Christ. About to go into a job interview, I can do all things. Trying to get a prom date? I can do all things. Didn't study for an exam, but won an A anyways? I can do all things. We're claiming that verse. 
I actually had this moment the other day with my son Larkin. Uh-oh, he's in here this morning, so um, I'm going to tell a story on you, bud. But he, he's, he's playing all-star baseball, which they won their first game this morning. How cool is that? Um, so he, he struggled at the plate hitting the other day. And he comes to me after the game, in between games, he said, I just can't hit. So me, being a well-intentioned father, bent down and I said, what does the Bible say? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But then he got out. <laughs> and, and you can't fault my intentions, my, you know, but, but what I meant was, no, you can do it. And although, that, although there's like nuggets of truth in that, and I don't believe that, that it's like inappropriate to use this verse in a motivational way, but I do think, think it's incomplete, right? Not, maybe not inappropriate, but incomplete. I believe if we only use this verse when we are on the verge of trying to accomplish something good, then maybe, yes, that's a part of it, but it's not the complete part, and it's not what Paul intended for, it, for his original audience. Therefore, I don't believe that it's, it's what helps us understand and know the gospel the best. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because the verse, and this is, this is like the big um, thrust of what we're talking about today, right? This, this verse is not about achievement. This verse is about contentment. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is not about achievement, it's not about a success, and it's not about completing your goals, it's about contentment and satisfaction in Jesus. I think uh, verses 10 through 19 will give us some context as we're, uh, as we're looking at this verse. And so we're going to read Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19. This is what the Bible says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And and you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Now, the context of this verse can tell us a lot about the truth that Paul is trying to convey. And what's happening here is that Paul is writing a letter to the church at Philippi. He gets towards the end of the letter. He is currently in prison. He's currently chained to a Roman soldier. His freedom is gone. His ability to preach in jeopardy. And he, his trial with Nero is looming with, uh, with the possibility of death close at hand. Paul has a lot going on, but, but one of them is not a championship game. In reality, he's at one of the lowest points of his life he's ever been in, and ministry. He's, he's alone. He's being persecuted. But in the midst of this, at the end of this letter, he writes to thank the church at Philippi for meeting his needs. He thanks them for their gift, for sending Epaphroditus and the material items that Epaphroditus must have brought to him. Um, this could have been food, clothing, money. We don't really know for sure. But all we know is that this church put forth an effort to meet Paul's needs. And in that, he was thanking them for that. And in the midst of and beneath the surface of the expression of thanks, through the Holy Spirit inspiration, is a profoundly impactful truth about contentment. He wants them to know that even though he is in a very difficult situation and circumstance, he is content and he is satisfied and he has enough. Contentment, the Bible has a lot to say about contentment. The Greek word uh, actually means to be self-sufficient, to be satisfied, to have enough. We know that in 1 Timothy when Paul writes his letter to Timothy, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So he says, if we have food and clothing, if I have food and clothing, Timothy, I will be content. In Hebrews, we see that uh, the Bible says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We can be content because we have a God who never leaves us or forsakes us. This is a commandment. It's, it's uh, to be content with our clothing, with our wages. We are to be content because God will never leave us or forsake us. But truth be told, we are a very discontented society. Do we agree with that? It seems like we, uh, in the history of humanity, we've never had so many things at our fingertips, yet we have never been so discontent. And from my experience, I feel like the more you have, the more discontent you are. I've seen millionaires that are miserable, and I've seen people in poverty that are joyful. Yet we still feed into this lie that we need more and more and more to be content. And it's easy to see why, because, because we live our life with ads all around us through, through social media, through TV, through uh, YouTube ads, through billboards on the sides of the highways, and their primary objective is, uh, is to make sure we are not content. 
I mean, look at the brand of phone that I have. I won't even say the brand, but I do love to eat apples. And I have, the, I have the newest phone, and I love it. But I've, I've heard the, the Apple CEO say this before in an interview. This is, what, this is what the Apple CEO said about his products. I want to make, make people go from believing they don't need something to making them believe they can't live without it. Ads are all around us, trying to make us discontent trying to make us believe that we need the next thing to be content, to be satisfied. Paul was content and completely satisfied. And we are called to be the same. And I believe that there's a secret to his contentment, right? He says it in here. He uses the word secret. There's a secret to Paul's contentment, right? And I'm just going to make a few quick observations this morning, a few points, I think I have four, about why Paul is so content in the midst of his incredibly difficult circumstance. And the first one starts in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He rejoiced. The word rejoice is to have joy that was extensive. He was extremely happy that their concern or their love or their support had revived. The word for revive in the Greek is a word that means to bloom. Almost like a flower that was there all along but has now bloomed. And he knows that their, lo their love for him and their concern for him had never left, had never gone away, but they hadn't had an opportunity to bless him. It had been 10 years since Paul started this church. 10 years since he was in Philippi faithfully preaching the gospel. 10 years since he had been thrown into jail. The earthquake happened. The, the jailer and his household came to know the Lord. You remember this story? And they, they were supporting him. They had given him gifts, met his needs. It had been 10 years and nothing. You can understand if Paul would have been a little bit discontent, a little bit upset or frustrated that they had stopped meeting his needs. But Paul understood that there was a reason for it. And whether that reason was because they couldn't find Paul or they didn't know where he was located or they didn't have the means to do it, we don't know exactly why they stopped giving, but now they had started again. And, and, and there's a truth behind this. And that truth is that, be, and it's because Paul like, wasn't upset at this, right? This is the first secret that I, I saw. Paul trusted that God would provide for him. Paul trusted that God was a God of provision. Paul had needs. I'm sure there were moments that he was hungry. I'm sure he didn't have all the money that he, that he could have used. Yet Paul knew that in God's timing and in God's way, God would provide for his needs. And because of that, he didn't have to be upset when this church stopped providing for his needs. 
He was completely satisfied in trusting a God who is a God that provides. And when we see and we know that we serve a sovereign God who holds our world in his hand and he is over top the affairs of the world, when we know this, it helps us be content. Paul trusted that God would provide. He had a patient confidence in God's providence and knew that God would meet his needs in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. He knew that the times and the seasons and the opportunities were controlled by a sovereign God. And until we come to the place in our life where we understand that God is working things to his good, that he holds the world in his hands, that he knows what we need more than what we know that we need, and that all things work together for good, if and when I believe that God is in control, I can be content in anything because everything is under his control. I get discontent when I try to control things. When I think I got this. I mean, look at, look at how God works out his holy purposes in stories like Joseph. There's no way Joseph could see right then and there what was happening. But what does God say at the end? Like what you, or what does Joseph say at the end? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Story after story after story of God's purpose is playing out in the life of Ruth, in the life of Esther, in the lives of so many uh, Old Testament prophets and uh, uh, saints. Paul trusted that God would provide. The second observation comes in verse 11, and that's, the verse 11 says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul wasn't speaking of being in need. The, the observation that we can make here about the secret to Paul's contentment was that Paul was satisfied with little. Paul was satisfied with very, very little in his life. Is that the same thing that, that God could say of us today? Are we a people that's satisfied with very little? Even though we don't have much, can we be content? Can we be satisfied? Not that I speak from want. Here he implies that it's very little that is necessary to satisfy him. He, he had assessed his life and came to the conclusion that he can live with very little. If God provided his food and his clothing, he was going to be content. I read a theologian that said, to be satisfied with little may be the most precious lesson we can teach our children. Why was Paul and how was Paul satisfied with, with so little? Philippians 3, 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge of Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain 
Christ. The more we are satisfied in Christ, the less we are satisfied in things. The more our contentment and satisfaction is based on the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, the less I need material things. The less those material things have a hold on me. It's not about deadening ourselves to things in this world. It's about our awakening ourselves to Jesus. And when we, when we awake ourselves to Jesus, those things pale in comparison. True contentment comes from being satisfied in Christ. I, I, I saw Babylon, ba- Babylon B, you know this? Do you read Babylon B? So, it's like a, okay, I don't know. It's, it's just a funny social media, um, they kind of make fun of, it's a satire, right? And I saw one two days ago, this is what it said. Local Christian vows to be content right after he receives one more massive Amazon order. <laughs> and then they had a quote from like this fake guy who said, uh, I'm always happy as long as I know there's a bunch of stuff coming from my way from Amazon. <laughs> you too, huh? That Amazon gets me every time. Paul knew that the chief end of man was not uh, to meet his needs, it was not for God to be a, a genie that meets the needs of people, but to worship and glorify God. So he was content with very little. He didn't need much. He was satisfied in Jesus. Who or what satisfies you today? And if you're, if you're here, right, uh, and you believe that contentment has to do with our circumstances. And if you're believing that once you get this certain job, then you'll be okay. Or once you get into this relationship with this person, then you'll be okay. You'll be satisfied. You'll be complete. Once I buy that new house or that new car, all I want is that. And all I'm asking for is that. And all I want is private school for my kids. And all I want is a promotion and a little more money. And, and all I need is that. And that's, that one thing is going to put me over the top. And I'm going to be content. I'm going to have... If I can only have a anything, if that's your, your foundation, you're not going to be content. Contentment is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Yes, work hard. Yes, dream big dreams. Yes, be diligent and disciplined. Yes, financially support your family. Yes, drive safe, reliable cars. Yes to all those things, but make sure your treasure is Jesus. Your soul's satisfaction comes from Jesus and not things. This is what Paul had realized in the midst of his ups and downs and in life's most difficult circumstance. His satisfaction had come from Jesus. 
The third thing in verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul was free from his circumstances. Paul lived and ministered and loved independent of his circumstances. And if anyone could speak of enduring trials and horrible circumstances, it could be Paul. I mean, we see all through Acts of Paul being beaten and being imprisoned and being stoned almost to death and being whipped, being alone, being persecuted. In Corinthians, there's a long list of things that happened to Paul that were horrific. And he says, no matter the current circumstances, I'm going to be content. Man, Paul would have been an awful spokesman for the prosperity gospel. Can you imagine? As Paul, Paul, for an example, do you think many people would be signing up for Christianity? Paul went through horrific things. Yet in the midst of it, he was so content and so satisfied in Jesus. His eyes were on the prize. His reward was not a a material reward. It was a heavenly reward. And no matter the circumstance, Paul was content. He knew how to be poor because he had been there. Humble means, basic needs, poverty even. But he also knew how to live in prosperity. Having his needs met, abounding, being filled with earthly goods and supplies. He had been filled, he had been emptied. He knew how it it felt to, to eat a lot of food and be well fed. He knew how it felt to go hungry and not have enough food. He knew how to to have abundance and how to lack. And the point is that no matter the circumstance, he was going to be content. He had such faith in God's promises. He knew what Jesus said when in, in Luke that you may weep now, but you'll laugh later. That you may be hungry now, but you'll, you'll be full later. His eyes were fixed on future glory. He never let current circumstances get in the way. He lived in light of eternity. Paul was independent of circumstances because his affections were on another kingdom. God, help us to be content in whatever circumstances we are in. Help us to be satisfied with little and rise above the circumstances. Make us content and help us trust your promises. And the fourth, um, we move on to the verse that that we're talking about. Philippians 4.13, the verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The fourth observation that we see from Paul's life on the secret of his contentment is that Paul relied on the strength of his Savior. 
Paul was not naming and claiming success in what he was about to accomplish. Paul was reminding the Philippians that it is Christ's strength working in him that allows him to endure life's most difficult trials. I can do all things through Christ. He could not do it on his own, and you and I cannot do it on our own. The first five words of that verse, I can do all things, are five of the most scariest words in all the Bible, if left alone. You know what? I can do all things says, I got this. Says, I'm good. I don't need help. It's a slap in the face of our Creator. I can do all things, says that because of my charisma, my Enneagram, my hard work, my popularity, my social media following, I got this. I have the strength, the financial stability, the talents. I can do all things, says I'm good right now. Life is going well. I've made it to the top. I've arrived. I think about that Home Alone scene with Marv. He says, the bad guy, you know, finally gets to the top floor. I've made, Harry, I've made it to the top. And then he takes one step and he face plants all the way to the bottom. Because pride comes before the fall. I can do all things, says, I've made it. Independent of God, I'm there. And whether we would say that with our mouth or whether we just live that with our lives, many of us, if not all of us, go through seasons where we believe that we've got it. We're on the mountaintop right now. We got it. Things are going really well. I got this. I can get this job. I can make this payment. I can do this, I can do that. Didn't work well for the prodigal son who learned really quickly that uh, you can live it up for a moment, you can do it for a moment, but it doesn't last. It didn't work very well for King Nebuchadnezzar who lived it up hard before falling very hard. King Uzziah, another one, destroyed because he grew proud. I've got this. And, and, and when we think we can do it on our own, we look at passages like John 15, abiding in the vine, and we learn that, that apart from the vine, apart from him, we can do nothing of spiritual importance. For man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I can do all things is such a prideful statement. But then Paul adds two of the most beautiful words. Through him. Oh, oh God, let me, let me live a life through you. Let me live a through him type of life. That whatever I do, whatever I put my hands to, whatever the words I say, whatever job I get, whatever I... Through him. It is an acknowledgement of God. It is a turning and focusing on the one who makes it all happen. And his providence and his sovereignty. 
It's looking away from myself and and pointing the praise to him. Knowing that on my own, even my good deeds are rubbish. Through him. How do I live a through him kind of life? Paul was always, had always been reliant on the power of God, even in the midst of his weaknesses. We see in 2 Corinthians, man, even in the midst of Paul's weaknesses, he knew that when he was weak, then Jesus, God was strong through him. Over and over in Corinthians, we see the weakness of man and the power of God. We see in 1 Corinthians that the weakness of God is stronger than men. That God chose what is weak to shame the strong. That we come in weakness and in fear, but he comes in the power of God. That when we're sown in weakness, we're raised in power. I will boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He said that he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God, 2 Corinthians 13. And we look at Galatians 2.20, and we know the source of our strength is not our own talents and are not our own abilities and not our own accolades. The source of our strength is the fact that we have died to ourselves, and it's not we who live, but who? Christ who lives in me. Paul prayed the same prayer to the the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 3. He he said that he, he prayed that they would be granted the strength with power through his spirit and the inner being. And through that strength, that God would be able to do exceedingly abundantly above what they could ever think or imagine. Through Christ who gives me strength, it is an acknowledgement of him. I've got to believe that God smiles at us anytime we turn to him and acknowledge him. Even if we're turned away, even if we're running, even if we have failed to live up to whatever expectations, I've got to believe that God smiles on us anytime we acknowledge him. Do you praise him just on the mountaintops, or do you praise him in the valleys as well? Paul was content no matter what came his way because of Jesus who put the power in him. That verse, the power in him, means that Jesus infused power into Paul. That's what that word means, to infuse power in. Paul knew that on his own strength, he couldn't do it. He couldn't get through life's most difficult circumstances. But I can do all things through Christ, meaning I can be content in all areas, in all tough times, in all circumstances, not because of myself. No, no, no. But because of him, his strength that he infuses into me. You want to use this verse? Use it in both the good times and the bad times. You want to use this verse properly? 
Use it, yes, in the moments that your kid strikes out, but not to tell him that he can hit a home run the next time, but to tell him that he can be content in life because striking out is not nearly as good as following Jesus. And that Jesus is all we need. I can be brought low because of him who strengthens me. I can be hungry because of him who strengthens me. I can be devastated and experience loss because of him who strengthens me. I can be content in any and every situation because of Jesus and his strength that he puts in me to continue. And when I'm at the end of my rope and I've gone as far as I humanly possibly can, Jesus steps in. We can be content in any and every moment. And, and the world is yelling at us to get more stuff and you will be content. It's yelling at us to go, to build, to profit, to advance, to move, to find happiness, to gain a following, to change it up, to live a little, to be true to yourself, to dream, to be who you dream of being, to be the best. The world is screaming that you can do better. And, the world, and while the world is yelling, do better, God is yelling, be faithful. And while the world is yelling, be relevant and cool, God is yelling, be holy and be set apart. And while the world is yelling, not good enough, God is yelling, I bought you with a price. While the world is yelling, go, 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 God is begging us to be still and rest in him. And the world is yelling that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's better over there. That life you used to live is much better. The way you want to look is much prettier. That other man or that other woman would be a much better fit for you. That house, that pair of shoes, that job, that car, that church, that relationship. If you only had that, you would be content. And God is yelling that all you need is me. And the life you want is not found in the house and in the promotion and in the money. The life that you want, a life of purpose and meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction is found not on the other side of the fence, but found in Jesus who gives life and life to the fullest. So whether you win or you lose, you can be content in Christ. Whether you're healthy or you're sick, you can be content in Christ. Whether you're single or you're married, contentment comes from Christ. Whether you get that job or you don't, whether your dreams come true or they don't, whether it's snowy or sunny, you can be content. No matter what you are facing in this life, I can be content because of the all-sustaining power of Jesus in me. It doesn't come from circumstances, it comes from our Savior. So this week, whatever we do, wherever we go, Whatever happens to you, let's find contentment in Christ who gives us strength. God, you are good. And I pray that you will infuse power in us to help us get through life's most difficult circumstances. And when things are going really well, may we know 
that we can do all things through you. And when things are going really poor, may we know that we can do all things through you and may we be content and satisfied in you and you alone. We love you, Father, and we praise you in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.